¿Estás listo para convertir tus mejores ideas en un negocio en línea exitoso? Te presentamos Shopify. Tal vez no lo sabías, pero nuestro podcast More Than Mammies es un negocio y lo empezamos, por supuesto, para desahogarnos y hablar sobre la maternidad, no para convertirnos en expertas de ventas y del e-commerce. Así que sí, necesitábamos ayuda para vender nuestro merch y poner en marcha nuestra tienda. ¿Y cómo suena con Shopify? Llegó otra venta. Shopify es la plataforma de comercio que está revolucionando millones de negocios en todo el mundo. Ya seas un emprendedor desde tu casa o desde donde sea, Shopify es la única herramienta que necesitas para iniciar, administrar y hacer crecer tu negocio sin dificultades. Con Shopify puedo gestionar pedidos, envíos y pagos desde cualquier lugar, brindándote toda la información y estadísticas de tus ventas al detalle. Regístrate para un periodo de prueba con tan solo un dólar al mes en shopify.com barra sonoro. Todo en minúsculas. Ve a Shopify.com barra sonoro para llevar tu negocio al siguiente nivel. Shopify.com barra sonoro. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistant tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers Thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. I'm a small business owner, and I believe that this is a great tool for other small business owners. In small businesses, you need to create a team. And if you're starting by yourself, Constant Contact can be the team that you need. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by the 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at constantcontact.com. Just go to constantcontact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. Constantcontact.com. I think technology helps us learn a lot more efficiently and faster. This is the optimism of the tech generation that can see a way forward. They have a sense of what's possible because they have access to information. I am planning to study in one of the most prestigious institutes of the world, Oxford University. And this opportunity was very limited in their generation. The knowledge around healthy food and what is and isn't good for you, I think has definitely improved. In the developing world, it's a, a period of intensified social and economic progress. And it's no wonder, therefore, that those Gen Zers in the developing world are that much more optimistic about their future than the Gen Zs in the developed world. Welcome to the Global Goals Cast, the podcast that shows how we can change the world. In this episode, the future is not as bleak as you think. At least that's what young people are telling us. This story really lifts my spirits. We talked to younger people from all over the world. I heard a lot of optimism, a lot of hope. 
So it turns out it's older generations who are in despair. Young people, especially young people in the developing world, have a very different view. But Claudia, they're also realistic. It's not all rainbows and chocolate chip cookies. They do also see the challenges. But they think the world is a better place today than when their parents were young. And they believe in their own ability to keep making it better. So if you need a dose of positive thinking amidst all the difficult news, we have that for you right after this. This episode of Global Goalscast is brought to you by MasterCard. MasterCard is dedicated to building an inclusive world in which the digital economy works for everyone, everywhere. What we're doing is repairing MasterCard assets with philanthropic capital to ensure that everyone is connected to the networks that power the modern economy. It's making sure that everyone benefits from economic development and innovation. Thanks also to CBS News Digital. Welcome back. I'm Edie Lush. Happy New Year, by the way, and happy late birthday, Claudia. It was your 21st, right? Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Thank you so much. And by the way, I am Claudia Romo Edelman, Edie, and I'm so inspired by this episode. Right? We got the idea from our partners at UNICEF, where you used to work. Amazing place. They do so much important work. But mm. sometimes it feels like all that good work is just holding back the tides of trouble. Hope is so vital, and sometimes it's really hard to maintain. In fact, that's one reason we started this podcast 84 years ago. Woo! Can you believe it's four years ago? <laughs> to celebrate people and groups like UNICEF that are making a big difference and encourage everyone to believe that we can change the world. We can mold it into shape. We can kick it into shape. It's possible. We've been listened to in over 190 countries and territories around the world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Global Goalscast has 250,000 downloads. Yes. All I'm saying, Edie, is people really care. They do. And that is what we want to talk about today. Hope is all around us if you know who to ask. Right, Edie, forget us dinosaur Gen Xers. Let's listen to Gen Z. UNICEF surveyed 21,000 people, young and old, all around the world, and what they found should lift everyone's spirits. Younger people just don't buy the pessimism of those over 40 years old. They know we have challenges, and they believe that we can conquer them. Nelson Mandela says that education is the power that you need to change the world. And without education, we wouldn't have new technology or cures for all these diseases. And one thing that education can do for you is it lasts you a lifetime. If you set goals for yourself and you work hard towards achieving those goals, it will lead to success. Our mental well-being is important and we should feel free to share it. That's Eden, Callista, and Kayla from South Africa. They're three of the young people that I spoke to for this episode. And here's one more, Ibrahim Conde. I believe things can change and it just depends on our actions today actually and I think that when I talk about actions today that's where the realistic part of me comes up but I do believe like the the future that we would want to see the future that we would want to have he, the world that we would want to have depends on each and everyone's personal actions 
Ibrahim's voice will be familiar to Global Goals cast listeners who remember his amazing story of survival as a refugee from West Africa. After going through all of that, and then you come out of it, you find people who really want to help you out. And then you realize that those people who did harm to you were just a little fraction of the general population of people who are willing to to help you out, then it just gives you hope. It's great to hear Ibrahim again, Idi. His optimism is such a gift. I remember our two episodes from season three, the story of his trek from Sierra Leone across the Sahara and then across the Mediterranean. Throughout the journey, I can't recall a day that I slept in a house where there's a roof on top. I can't recall. And so at the seaside, it was very cool, like very cool. It was in December, very cold, and we had to be outside. Like we get food, a loaf of bread, once a day. And so I was there for like two weeks because we had to wait for the construction of the, the dinghies and also the weather condition. Can you believe, Claudia, that it was just a few years ago that Ibrahim was a refugee in Italy? This week, I caught up with him in the United States, where he's now an undergraduate at the University of Oklahoma. It was a, a difficult ride. I was able to come out successful. I sent applications to different universities for scholarship to be able to continue my studies. Thankfully, I got about eight offers, full ride scholarships. But I chose the University of Oklahoma, where I'm studying at the moment. And I kept on being an advocate for migrants and refugees as well. Yeah, what an awesome young man. We are going to hear more from Ibrahim and from other young people. But first, Idi, tell us about the expert you spoke to. It's very useful to have friends who are experts, right? Dr. Mm -hmm. Eliza Philby studies society through the prism of age and generations, and she was not at all surprised by the optimism that we had been hearing from young people. Here's how she explained it. This is the generation that we're talking about here that have grown up under a particular set of circumstances, both challenging, but also illuminating and optimistic. So challenging in the sense that, you know, it's the growth of populism, the development of fake news, a lack of trust in politicians, global economy, and then, of course, also the tech upheaval as well. This is the generation that grew up with a smartphone in their pocket and invariably have had a smartphone in their pocket both in the developing world and in the developed world since their early teens. And because of that connection with the world, I think they have a greater sense of their generational identity, their greater understanding of the world's problems, but also I think a greater sense that things can change because they're seeing change on a daily basis. And I think for the first time, you can actually talk about Gen Z being a global generation and understanding the world's problems and a sense of solidarity, particularly in the wake of COVID, of course, which is their sort of generational defining moment and, and has created certainly a sense of solidarity, that the world's problems are global in scale and the world's solutions are therefore global in scale. This is the optimism of the tech generation that can see 
a way forward, whether it be about climate change, whether it be tackling systematic racism, whether it be dealing with corruption at governmental level. I think they have a sense of what's possible because they have access to information. And there are obviously negative experiences of that. But ultimately, in the main, there's so much optimism from knowing so much more. I asked Eliza Philby about one aspect of the UNICEF survey that really struck me, which was that young people in low and middle income countries are pretty sure they'll do economically better than their parents. But those in higher income countries are not so sure that they're going to be better off. There's no doubt that those in the developed world, those in the West, have grown up under a particular set of circumstances that have been uniquely challenging for the young. Whether that's greater costs involved in education, whether that's issues around mental health and negative experiences around technology, whether that's around access to jobs, training or specifically housing, it's become much harder to have those kinds of opportunities in the West and to even have and mirror the opportunities that our parents had at their age. But in the developing world, it's a very different story, right? It's a a period of intensified social and economic progress, particularly for young women, a widening of opportunities and an acceleration of development, growth and opportunity. And it's no wonder, therefore, that those Gen Zers in the developing world are that much more optimistic about their future than the Gen Zs in the developed world. Wow, Edie, Dr. Eliza Philby, she has really thought about the generations, hasn't she? Indeed, she advises companies and governments and she's a fellow podcaster. We're going to hear more from her later, but first we want to listen to the voice of the new generation. We use that UNICEF survey as our guide and ask young people some of the same questions that the survey asked. One of the key questions asked whether on various topics things are better or worse for children today than they were for their parents when they were growing up. On education and healthcare, young people overwhelmingly think that things are better. But we want to start with a topic that we found really surprising, where the answer was very nuanced. Is your opportunity to play better or worse than your parents at your age? I think it's worse for children today. There's only limited space where you can really play. And extended school days, lots of kids are focused with pressure. They're so focused on academics that we really don't have time to just be children. That's Eden in South Africa, whose nickname, by the way, is Edie. Very cool to have another one out there. We spoke to her with two of her friends, first Kayla and then Callista. I think that we do have a lot more opportunities to play because we have technology which we can play on, but I don't think we take those opportunities as much as our parents did. And I think that's also because it's not safe for us to walk around or play in our streets anymore. Do you feel that where you live? I live in a complex, so I do feel safe walking around my complex, but I wouldn't feel safe walking outside my complex alone. Children would rather have screen time than go outside and like play. And also it is not as safe anymore. Like in my estates, I know that I can go to the park and relax there with my friends, but it's because I'm in an estate. If I had to walk outside alone, I wouldn't feel safe. 
Eden, Kayla, and Callista are students at Holy Rosary School in Johannesburg. We were introduced to them through I Am The Code, a terrific organization committed to teaching girls and women in Africa and all over the world how to code. Indeed, Ibrahim pointed out technology has changed the nature of play for his generation. I prefer to play outside on muddy fields and being behind a computer screen playing video games where I can be faced with more psychological trauma and depression as a result of bullying. I believe our parents, the past generation, used to play outside because playing back home in, in those our villages and those muddy fields, you see, there was this joy within us as kids running around, playing in the rain. It makes us like just forget that we might be returning home to table without food. But it was really, it was really important in, in our upbringing because on these fields is where we bond with our friends, we build connection and we have fun. In many places, those muddy fields that Ibrahim remembers so fondly have actually been disappearing, as Siddhant Sarang told us from India. The playgrounds that we had has now malls or multi-purpose buildings, so we do not have that opportunities to play. Like, only we can play on uh, computer or mobile phones, so that I miss, actually. The one thing I realized listening to these young people is that change is everywhere for them, constant. And they expect it and they are not thrown by it. So even when they can observe that something has been lost, like playing on that muddy field, they know some things have gained too. We're gonna hear much more from these young people, but first, this message from our sponsor, MasterCard. The MasterCard Center for Inclusive Growth is the philanthropic hub of MasterCard. So we bring together the company's core assets, like our network, our data insights, our expertise, our technology, our funding, to build inclusive and sustainable economies. So essentially, Edie, what we're doing is we're pairing MasterCard assets with philanthropic capital to ensure that everyone is connected to the networks that power the modern economy, like financial services or digital marketplaces. And the concept of inclusive growth is actually really quite simple. It's making sure that everyone benefits from economic development and innovation. How do you think we should be spurring on economic recovery? to catalyze economic growth that's inclusive, we really have to focus on small businesses around the world. If you look at developing economies, micro and small businesses provide 70% of jobs and 50% of global GDP. The MasterCard Economics Institute put out a report in October that showed that actually about a third more small retailers launched in 2020 compared to 2019. So I think what this means is that people saw economic opportunity in starting new businesses. So in my view, if we wanna get economies growing again, we really have to focus on helping small businesses get back on their feet. I think we have to help small businesses navigate the digital economy and the accelerated transition to digital. A lot of the issues that micro and small businesses faced before the pandemic were simply exacerbated. They needed to go from physical to digital doors and think about a completely different way of doing business. You can find out more about MasterCard's philanthropic work on inclusive growth at mastercardcenter.org. And thank you to Pyle Dilal for joining us and to MasterCard for their ongoing support of Global Goalscast.
Welcome back. Edi, what is so impressive about these young people is their realism. Not only their optimism, their realism. They look the challenges right in the eye. Yeah, and you can hear that in their answers to whether they felt better or worse off than their parents on matters of health and public safety. Child mortality has actually been quite low. Children haven't been in much accidents. And because of maybe better designs in the car and better designs of the road, and also parents are a lot more obsessed over their children and they want them to be safer. And because of that, I think physical safety is better. I think it depends on where you live and how old you are. But I think it's so much worse for our parents' generation. But some kids don't even feel safe in their own homes, let alone like outside. Gender-based violence is a serious problem in South Africa, so I think it's actually getting worse. There was one question on which the young people all seemed to agree on the answer. Do you think today's children have more pressure or less pressure from adults to succeed in life than when their parents were growing up? I don't feel pressure to succeed, but I know that's not true for all children around the world. A lot of children feel tons of pressure to succeed, and this increases anxiety and stress levels, which leads to poorer physical and emotional health. I just feel that my parents want me to do my best and be happy with all my choices. Sometimes I could look at my friends and think, why can't I get that mark or why can't I do that? Well, that depends on, on different backgrounds. I come from a very poor background in Sierra Leone and I've seen what poverty actually looks like. And trust me, it's not a good sight. Back home, when you're successful in most cases, you are the only person from your family or even the entire village. So it comes with a, with a huge pride for parents as well. So you, you might get pressure from them to do well. So in other cases, uh, like the pressure to succeed comes from society itself and the, the existing social standards are to be blamed here because you're given more respect when you're successful than when you're poor. I think children have more pressure. Lots of children are on social media looking at this perfect person, constantly putting pictures on social media about how they've gotten to the perfect school and how they've done so great. And to feel a lot of, a lot of pressure to achieve what they've achieved. And also it's this, this crazy obsession with perfection in our generation. It's just perfect, perfect, perfect. When it's almost impossible to be perfect. And because social media always depicts that everybody's perfect with their selfies, with their videos, there's a lot more pressure to be like them. Do you feel that pressure personally? I do sometimes. Because as I go on YouTube, I look at lots of people and I feel like, wow, they've achieved so much. I wish I could do that. Like, there's like almost a gap. But then I sometimes will tell myself, well, they started off where I was. So you just have to realize that the gap isn't as big as you think it is. By the way, Claudia, Eden, a.k.a. Edie, has her own YouTube channel talking about the global goals. And she's 12. So enormous respect. Oh, absolutely. That comment, though... It's really sad. Young people feel more pressure. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Mm. But they also see they feel far more empowered than their parents to talk about their mental health. And that, I think, helps a lot. I think so too, Claudia. 
mental health is becoming less of a taboo. My kids are way more knowledgeable about anxiety, about depression than I ever was at their age. And the young people that I spoke to for this episode said their schools had wellness days, carefree days, or my favorite, a no bones day, which isn't to say that it's easy because as Eliza Philby said, they are in the generation that's growing up with a phone in their pocket. Social media has a massive effect on um, mental well-being because people always compare themselves to others. Like if I have to go scrolling on an app and see these people with these beautiful hourglass figures and stuff like that. Why can't I be like that? I'm so fat or whatever. Do you feel that when you look at social media? Sometimes I can. I feel like it gets worse as you get older. But I try to tell myself that I'm only 12. Like, can I relax, you know? I try to tell myself I'm only 50. Can I relax? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean, obviously, sometimes I do feel that. But yeah, I mean, you just have to love yourself and learn to love yourself. With social media companies continuing to prioritize profit above the mental health of humans, whatever age they are, the young people we spoke with are wise enough to take matters into their own hands and find ways of looking after their mental health. In fact, I Am The Code taught them some of their favorite techniques. One of my favorites is um, the bunny breath, where you breathe in and make it like hop out. Another one that we recently learned is the melting, where you all freeze up and then you pretend to melt down. That one's really helpful. How does it make you feel when you do it? It makes me feel tense when I do tense up for the melting one. But then when I let go and melt, it makes me feel a bit more relaxed and put together. But there is still a mental health mountain to climb. It's something frowned upon. I know that people out there who need help but just don't know how to get it or ashamed to admit it. If I go to my friend and tell that I have a mental problem, they'll bully me. They'll mm. make fun of me that I am mad. I am psyche, that I am having mental issues. And actually, majority of the people or majority of the students are here facing mental issues, but it is very less reported. We only raise voices, raise voices when someone kills themselves. Like if someone die, then we raise voices that no, we need, we need to take mental health seriously. But it is still a taboo. I have faced myself this problem and I was no one to share things with or who can understand these things. Perhaps the most important source of optimism and confidence is a universal belief that education and information are more available to them than to their parents. I'd say overall, the quality of education we receive now is better. Because in the past, it, it used to be it's only based on books and lectures. But now with new technology, there's websites, there's iPads, there's PowerPoints. And I think technology helps us learn a lot quicker, more efficiently and faster. Ibrahim isn't so sure that technology is the answer. Technology has taken away that ability to think critically and in developing like real-life problem-solving skills. But for Siddhant, opportunities out of reach to his parents are now a real possibility for him. I am planning to study in the, one of the most prestigious institutes of the world, Oxford University. And this opportunity was very limited in their generation because those who had a lot of money, those who were very rich, could only even 
get to know what is oxford so we have better opportunity than my parents had access to enough food and healthy food was a really important question for these young people they spoke about food waste food equity and food deserts and connected all of that to environmental concerns the knowledge around healthy food and what's is and isn't good for you i think has definitely improved but i'm not sure if we're eating more healthy foods than our parents were i don't think children today have much healthy food to eat as compared to past generations i mean we have like mass production of foodstuffs that are rich in chemicals and at lower cost to consumers on supermarket shelves and they are nothing but a hazard to our health and and wealth to to those who produce it back home in where I'm from in Sierra Leone there's access to healthy food because most of the food we eat are locally produced because we do most of subsistence farming in villages and so if you eat vegetables or fruits we say it's something that you get direct from the farm it has no chemicals in it so it's really really healthy so if it's a season for mangoes the whole community or the whole village is like a mango heaven because every household has these trees mango trees and you can just walk around eat as much as you want nobody questions you it's abundant after the mixture of capitalism or the competition in the market to earn more the welfare of people has gone for a toss no no company cares for the good for the people they just want to make money claudia no surprise that this younger generation is worried about climate change and determined to act but they were perhaps more charitable to their parents generation that you might think from listening to greta thunberg I think our parent generation took a great deal in contributing to the state of our climate change today, but I don't blame them because they weren't educated about it. I was speaking to my dad the other day, and he was saying that he all this climate change stuff is very new to him. And when he was growing up, they knew nothing about it, so the companies could just do whatever they want without thinking about what they could do to our environment. Edie, it's amazing listening to these young people. It is not just that they say they're hopeful. It is that sense that they are really getting what's going on and believing that they can deal with it. I think that this is a good episode for people that have been fried for so long uh, to hear the voices of people of young people life from different places in the world and they all agree in the same thing that we can make this work. I mean like this is really hard and there are things that are very tough but at the end of the day we're optimistic and we're hopeful. I do think that this is a calling for the industry to understand that healthier food, plant-based food and so on is an opportunity because people from India, from Africa, from everywhere in the world are actually just like really developing that data point of saying like we will buy it. and i came away talking to these young people with a really powerful sense that you guys have got this they seem really on top of things and they're pretty serious too which eliza philby told me is a real marker of this generation it speaks to a growing trend that has happened over the last 20 to 30 years which is that being young has become incredibly serious <laughs> and 
youth, you know, really, if you think about the, the first bursts of youth culture in the 50s and 60s was about that period of exploration and experimentation and getting things wrong and not being on this like clear pressured trajectory through education or your your career. And now being young is about, you know, making the right decisions. You can't get anything wrong. You're comparing your lives to not just your peers, but across those across the world on social media. You have to get the right grades. You have to get to the right university. The pressure is also coming from education because education is now a global competition, right? It's not just the, the competition within your school or your university. Put so much pressure on them, obviously, through social platforms and technology. And I think the mental health crisis within this generation is a reflection of that but also an awakening, a sense that there's something not quite right about having a experience in your teens and your early 20s where you're on this kind of conveyor belt and you can't get off and there's so much pressure to get everything right. I mean, you're seeing with Gen Z record numbers of those not drinking, not smoking, certainly like their parents did, not having as much sex. You know, all of that kind of sex, drugs, rock and roll, idea concept of youth that were, was invented by the baby boomers is completely at odds with the experience of youth today and I think that there's a real sadness in that because you should be allowed to fail you should be allowed to explore you should be allowed to not feel that pressure because actually your youth is about getting things wrong and finding out who you are Edie, what really strikes me is reading the Edelman Trust Barometer, looking at how much of the world lives in distrust and how catastrophic that is for the world if we're distrusting everything and everyone. And that, to some degree, is created by this incredible social media pressure of the like me as much as we can so that I can have a renewal sense of self, popularity, perfection. But also that has an incredible connotation and relation, according to the Edelman Trust Barometer, with governments and how politicians right now are no more centric and normal people, but they have to go to the extremes um, every time so that they can get more likes in social media and they can get more popular. The pressure that young people are facing honestly is related to the business models of these companies that at some point goes back to regulation and what we can be doing at it. I think that there is an incredible optimism in the voices that we heard, but also an incredible amount of pressure that I hope that leaders that are listening to this podcast can take into consideration about how do we break that uh, chain of distrust that so much is related to business models. And what you've been saying about social media and the change and the pressure it puts also really relates to this changing nature of play and how children play and learn. And that was something that Eliza was also worried about. Play has been curtailed for a number of reasons, the closure of public spaces, but also the shift of the middle-class parents into paid activities supervised by parents, the unwillingness to allow children to play on their own and to over-supervise helicopter parent their kids. Play is about creativity and finding one's identity and exploring the world in a free, in a safe environment. And that in an age of AI, when everyone's saying, if humans need to outpace computers, what they need is creativity and imagination. And 
we're actually turning our kids into robots when we should be actually turning them back into humans. So play is something that is absolutely needed in schools and as much in our streets and our playgrounds as possible, just because actually it will better prepare them for the, the 21st century. This has been such an inspiring episode, Edie. And you saved the best for the last. It was amazing to talk with Ibrahim Conde again, and I asked him about his family and friends back in Sierra Leone. I'm in touch with people back home, and even this past summer, I didn't go back home, but I was able to do something there. Back home, especially in my village, like access to opportunities is a really huge problem. There's only one primary school, and people have to like walk this long distance to attend this primary school. And after primary school, it's most people it's just like drop out or just continue being working in the farms and the mining sites. The only primary school that's in the place has no toilet facilities for the kids. And those are kids from age six to 11 years old. And they have to walk all these long distances to school and when they get to school, they don't have this healthy learning environment. They have to like go to the bush or walk distances to use just for toilet facilities. So I, so my project was like to build a structure, a toilet facility for, for the school and also to, to renovate um, the water system because there was no pure drinking water as well. So yeah, I was able to at least help just to a way to improve education because I just believe that it's only education with education that people can be able to move from the step that they're in to having a shot at becoming successful. Pretty cool, right? Mm. This guy is amazing. We have to follow Ibrahim's trajectory of the next decade, Edi, because I know that he's going to do great stuff in the world. And I do believe like what he believes. It's only education that honestly can lift the entire generations to come and with so much optimism and the people willing to go get it. I think that having the tools is going to make a difference so that people can keep on doing projects and initiatives like Ibrahim. It's amazing because in the first episodes that we featured Ibrahim, our focus was on the champions from UNICEF Innovation who'd created these tools that Ibrahim used on his smartphone to get in touch with a lawyer, to get an education through UWC in Italy. And now he's that champion. He got that education and now he's the one who's giving back, who's going back to his village to helping lift up the kids, um, even as he's a young leader at the University of Oklahoma. So I am inspired by him and I'm inspired by everyone that we listen to as well as Dr. Eliza Philby. And thank you to all of you and all of our partners for helping us get in touch with these incredible young people. Thank you and the audience for listening. And of course, like, subscribe, follow us on social media and stay tuned for more hopeful, inspirational stories in the fourth year woo, of Global Goals Cast. Edie, it's the fifth year. I know the time together feels like nothing, but I it's know. five years. <laughs> It's five years. No, but in reality, all of us are inspired by the stories of champions making a difference. So stay tuned and see you next time. Bye. Bye. 
Global Goalscast was hosted by Edie Lush and Claudia Romo Edelman. We are editorial gurued by Mike Oreskes. Editing and sound production by Simon James. Our operations director is Michelle Cooprider. Music in this episode was courtesy of Universal Production Music, one of the world's leading production music companies creating and licensing music for film, television, advertising, broadcast, and other media, including podcasts. Original music by Neil Hale, Angelica Garcia, Simon James, Katie Crone, and Andrew Phillips. This episode of Global Goalscast is brought to you by MasterCard. Thanks also to CBS News Digital. Are you ready to turn your best ideas into a thriving online business? Introducing Shopify, your no-excuses business partner. You might not realize, but our podcast, More Than Mammies, it's a business. And we started it, of course, to talk about maternity, not to become an e-commerce expert. So yeah, we needed some help selling our merch and getting our store up and running. Another sale. Shopify is a commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. No matter if you are a garage entrepreneur or a big business, Shopify is the only tool you need to start and grow your business without the struggle. With Shopify single dashboard, you can manage orders, shipping, and payments from anywhere, giving you the insights you need wherever you are. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash sonoro or lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash sonoro to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash sonoro. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.